welcome to Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast about trailers, movies, TV shows, and anything on screen. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined today by my co-host Ivan. Today we'll be discussing The Mandalorian, Chapter 14, Season 2, Episode 4, The Siege. Today we're going to try out a different format as opposed to breaking down every single scene. Because there was so much in this episode, we're going to skip around a little bit and highlight some of the important scenes and try our best to break down the lore and Easter eggs within those scenes. Enjoy it. All right. So I think, I mean, we'll start off at the with the first scene. I think uh, the child running repairs with Mandalore, with the, with the Mando, um, is pretty interesting to see their relationship kind of growing up a little bit. Um, he seems to, like, understand what the red and blue wire is for a little bit until he shocks himself. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a very nice, funny, kind of interesting scene too. Cause, uh, and I guess this kind of makes him a, uh, useful crew member on board the, the ship. Yeah. It's kind of got that, like we've talked about before, like the father son kind of relationship where like a father son would help change the battery on the car and like, don't touch the red and blue wire together. Cause they're opposite charge. So like the dad's still like trying to explain it in technical terms. And the kid is just like, wait, you want me to put the blue into the board <laughs> but yeah it is pretty funny to see him like cooing and laughing and like like react to the um to the pain there um also kind of interesting like immediately after that scene is like he's rewarding him with a meal or with soup or whatever and the child is so interested to see like how the how mando eats um just to try and like get a peek at his face because <laughs> he, remember, he didn't get to see in the first season. Only the um, only the the robot got to see him when he was healing him. That's true. I'm wondering though. Look, they're they're basically they were described as a clan of two at the end of last season. Would that not allow him to take off his helmet in front of him? I would figure it would at this point. Yeah, I mean the rules are so tough to follow because they're not written down. They haven't fully been communicated to us, and they also seem like they're only made up for the watch or at least his sect of the watch um so maybe he like after meeting bo-katan and their crew and like what the other mandalorians are doing out there maybe he will start to defect a little bit and not be so rigid about the helmet that might be something to watch out for yeah it reminds me of like the super devout christian person that goes to college and like starts getting influenced <laughs> by other cultures and stuff. And then you, know, you come back from college and you're like, wait, what happened to your uptight beliefs? It was all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's where we're going to go with it too. Um, did you get any like baby Groot vibes from, from Yoda in that scene? It reminded me of like the scene from Guardians where uh, Rocket's trying to guide him in terms of to, to detonate the bomb. It, yeah, it reminded me of that's that. A, that's a great callback. Yeah, there was a lot of like marvel feels i was getting in this either like sound effects or lookalikes like especially with mando he kind of reminds me of like iron man like a bullet ricocheted off him and it sounded like uh hammering metal uh, at one point and then with the jetpack it's obviously a pretty easy um relationship to how iron man flies but yeah that's exactly like uh Groot trying to defuse the bomb in guardians of the galaxy 2 or activate the bomb, not defuse it. Yeah, that was this is just like an overall great scene, though. Like, I feel like it further fleshes out the relationship a little bit more. Um, and also, the um, 
we finally get to see some of the different components of the ship. I feel like the ship tends to get a little bit bigger the more we kind of explore in it. Um, I swear this is like the place where they were eating soup is like a new spot within the ship that I haven't seen before. I think it was the the main cargo area, but it's definitely a different camera angle of it. So we get to see different views of the ship. But yeah, I do like that it's becoming more of like a familiar home the further we get into these seasons, because aside from Mando, it's kind of like the one constant of the show. It's him, the Razor Crest and the child. But kind of like we we predicted, um, the ship just isn't capable of sustaining light speed, so they have to go for repairs. And they we we called it. They went to Navarro, um, which we kind of were expecting, just because we were mostly just completing what we've seen in the trailer. So everything that we've seen in the trailer has now come to pass. So everything from here on out is going to be total mystery and total guesswork. So I think our predictions might get a little bit more or a little bit less accurate from this point forward. Yeah, everything, every single week, I feel like everything I thought was going to happen on this show has not happened. (laughs) And I I think I'm totally okay with it. And I I feel like my assessment of it is definitely different. I think at the end of the first episode of the season, I was like, all right, well, we're we're obviously going to hit the ground running with Boba. Nope, (laughs) that didn't quite happen. Um, and I guess, you know, I think you and I kind of got into it, but I was a little um, worried that we were going to get sidetracked by the Boba story and not have any progression on the child story. And that kind of didn't seem to come through at all. We, Especially this episode kind of delivered more progression, which is what we were both looking for. Yeah, they definitely have our trust with forwarding uh, the story they want to tell moving that forward and not kind of giving into every fan's desire, but also giving the fans like enough cute baby Yoda scenes or like finding some Mandalorians, but not the watch that he was looking for. Um, And then also like mentioning Ahsoka, but not immediately delivering on that. Uh, I think they're doing a pretty good job pacing themselves through this. Uh, We're only halfway through the season too. So there's still a lot of time left, a lot of screen time. Oh, and that's the other thing. This was this was ten minutes longer than last episode, so we're headed back in the right track. Is wait, is this a little bit longer than last week's? Yes. Yeah. This was um, I think it was what forty nine minutes. Damn. No, I, honestly, this was one of those where just like last week, I wasn't really paying attention to the length of time because it didn't really feel like it, like I right. needed more per se. I mean, I would have liked to, but it didn't seem. It, it seems like it was paced out well enough for me. To not even notice that. Yeah, I think the last two episodes have been perfectly paced where you're like, ooh, I would love to see like another 10 minutes of this, but not like I need to see another 10 minutes because you guys haven't accomplished anything. Where I kind of felt after the second episode where I thought we were going to get like a boba payoff and it just ended up being like close to an hour of not really getting anywhere. But yeah, so they're back on Navarro. I think the we'll, we'll skip around here a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll actually focus on the on the characters. So getting to see Cara Dune again now as the marshal, cleaning up the town, it seems like she's bypassing any need for due process or a judicial system and just is <laughs> kind of shooting from the hip, But which I guess is fine as long as she's not corrupt. <laughs> so for the time being, it's okay. But uh, if you're wondering why the, the group that she's fighting looks familiar, they're a species called Aqualish or Aqualish, I guess. They're probably best remembered from A New Hope in the bar fight scene where... The, the one character doesn't like Luke's face 
and then the pig man is his friend who gets his or no uh the 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 aqua leash gets his arm cut off right oh yeah that's uh what's his name god god i i'm i'm, for, I'm you forgetting remember this <laughs> it's panda baba i think that's his name oh my goodness i know this stuff <laughs> all right well if it looks familiar it's because it's panda baba <laughs> it's a whole bunch of panda babas i didn't realize that was him what the heck i this this is something i thought i wouldn't miss damn yeah it's the it's the same species so that's like a cool uh reuse of of an alien species as opposed to like totally making a new one or or trying to introduce something new um, it's cool little callbacks. It's not the same exact character, obviously, um, but it's it it's neat in that way. It's nice to see Kara like have a purpose as opposed to where she wanted to be last season, wh- which was just like in hiding and and playing it safe. Yeah, she's become the law in what's supposed to be like the lawless outer rim territories. So kind of funny to see that kind of progression. But it's been off because looking at Navarro, it looks so much better than when mando left it or even when he was there in the early parts of the season one it was just a bounty hunters guild there it was just um it was a lot of like imperial presence um now it seems like it's flourishing as like a trade market and as a as a port for the outer rim yeah so does that mean there's no more bounty hunters guild that's what i was wondering because when we when we catch back up with grief karga uh carl weathers character it sounds like he's just like a pencil pusher running paperwork and he has like his disgruntled employee um, Mithril who we, we saw was the opening character of season one, uh, the, the first bounty. Um, yeah, it seems like he's not organizing the bounty hunters guild because in its place is now the school. Yeah, he, he mentions, um, what, what was the, I forgot the exact line, but he mentions doing more clerical work now than anything else. Right. Which is a little weird. Yeah, I I wonder if they'll come back to that at some point. Like, what the heck happened to the Bounty Hunters Guild? Maybe they got chased out of town by Cardoon the Marshal. <laughs> <laughs> or there's uh, no none of them left, I guess, at that point, too. There was one thing here that I, I didn't really like. Um, panning the camera over to the second repairman, who gives, kinda, like, who gives Mando and the crew... Uh, like a little too long of a stare down and they also played like a little ominous tone it was only like two or three seconds long but it it's a little too obvious that like that character is now important and that there's probably going to be a betrayal based on the look and the sound of it i kind of like my foreshadowing to be a little bit more subtle i i'll, I'll admit though i didn't catch on to that at all so i didn't like it's it was the the whole sequence at the end with the device and the tracking came as a huge shocker to me really i was like as soon as it happened i i mean i thought i didn't think it would be tracking him but i thought he would be the one who calls the empire and like get here now the child's here or he would just be like put some like malfunctioning maintenance into the ship so that he couldn't get away or something like that um because as soon as it happened i was like oh well that guy's important now and then like they the scene continued so i don't know i feel like maybe have him just appear in the background that like you can't notice that unless you like put it on pause or like really pay attention to the background of scenes instead um that would be cool to see yeah no i gotta say i i I really didn't catch up to that at all or or i didn't catch on to it so 
I, I guess I got to pay closer attention to that. I did notice <laughs> the musical cue, and now that in retrospect, I'm like, I probably should have noted something because Star Wars is very music heavy when it comes to like trying to hint yeah. at stuff. So you were too distracted by Carl Weathers being a little baby talker voice to the child. <laughs> that and the fact that we have now two marshals in this season. <laughs> so. a, a, a two marshal. Um, Carl Weathers kind of reminds me of the Pelimoto of Tatooine, where, like, I don't know if he does anything the same way she doesn't do anything. Like, she has droids repairing stuff. He has Mithril doing the paperwork. I think he's, like, just there, and she's just there, and they're, like, kind of, like, bigger actors who uh, don't really serve that much of a purpose. I kind of see him as a Hondo Onaka-type character. From like Clone Wars and to some extent Rebels, I and see him as that. For, for yeah, I know I know exactly who you're talking about. But for for the listeners who don't know, <laughs> what's that name you just said? <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's not into or hasn't seen Clone Wars to Rebels, there's a weak way pirate called Hondo Anaka, and he comes in in and out of episodes in the Clone Wars, uh, and it's, he's weaved into Rebels also, but. He's always this like swindling character that's kind of there, serves a purpose here and there, but doesn't really like he's not all that important to the core story. But people always seem to get pretty excited whenever he shows up, and I feel like grief is that for <laughs> for for this show. Yeah, that's exactly who I was talking about too. All right, let's move it on then. <laughs> <laughs> I think the school is like definitely one part I want to focus a little bit on. Um, one because it's cool to see that like. How are kids educated everywhere? <laughs> um, so it's it's being led by a protocol droid. Um, but I think this is a scene, if you already watched the episode, I'm hoping because we're just talking nothing but spoilers here. Um, if you've already watched it, maybe go back and watch it with subtitles if you didn't watch it. Because the, not that there's anything super important in what the, the droid is talking about, but there are cool little... Um, Easter egg or, I mean, potentially foreshadowing uh, dialogue here. Talking about the, like, I guess geography would be the lesson I would call it. They, they talked about the outer, the mid, the expansion, and the inner rims of the galaxy. Um, talking about the capital Coruscant, which was during the Old Republic. And then now in the New Republic, it's another planet called Chandrilla, which has significance in the star wars culture of being the home of mon mothra and also the birthplace of ben solo um but the the part that i I thought was interesting uh was talking about the trade routes i mean they mentioned the carillion run on their list but they also talk a lot about kessel and its three moons um obviously a a call out to solo right yeah they they mentioned the maelstrom on, on kessel and i feel like um yeah, you know, I think for for a long time we always heard about the Kessel Run from the original trilogy. Finally, kind of got to see it in play in uh, in Solo, and it gets another reference and call out here. Um, I do think that there's a lot of mentioning of of, of Solo in um, in the last couple of uh, episodes here with different like I think they've mentioned Coaxium before. Um, with the the crystals that were from that that. Cobb Vanth used to buy Boba's armor off of the Jawas in the first episode, and now this. So it's kind of, 
I wonder what they're kind of alluding to because they always seem to like to give little hints of either other content that's coming or uh, maybe something that's going to build up to something later this season that's a call out to Solo. I mean, the the parallels are there to go in any direction they want. Like, obviously, Solo and Boba Fett have a lot of run-ins, so there's that one off the bat. But also, just, like, similar characteristics between Mando and Solo. They're both kind of just, like, not guns for hire, per se, but just, like, trying to make their way through the galaxy and, like, taking on you know, missions or whatever to get them from one place to another, to pay for fuel, to pay off debts or whatever it may be. Um, I kind of see a lot of like Han Solo in, in Mando. Yeah. I kind of see what you mean. Um, and I think they both kind of undergo similar arcs too, right? Like they start off as these, like not necessarily cold hearted, but they're very much um, in it for themselves kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then they end up becoming a lot, less of that and a lot more dedicated to a grander mission than they ever originally yeah, to a, um, intended to, a to do. Family first and then to a cause um, after that. And it, it's obviously the same for Mando with the child. And then, I mean, who knows what he'll be. A, is he going to be a joiner later on? I mean, we've seen a lot of like the X-Wings coming into play recently um, this season. Is he going to go from one cult to another cult? He He is kind of a joiner. Um, <laughs> he very much is. Here's one that I that I think we'll disagree on. I don't like the use of the force in this scene. Um, for the for the child just to yoink some cookies. I mean, they they've spent three episodes of purposely not using the force in situations where we would have seen him use the force in the first season. So they're building up this expectation of like, oh, when he does it, it's gonna be glorious just you watch and just you wait and watch but then he just like takes like a afternoon snack from a girl who like didn't want to share <laughs> it seems i think lame. that was a boy <laughs> no i think it was right, well we'll say they then let's be, <laughs> let's, be, let's get it politically correct come on all right they they them um i think yeah so <laughs> I don't. I'm not necessarily bothered by it. I do think it's an odd choice. Um, just you, you're right in the in the sense that they've kind of established this whole like, oh, when we're going to use the force, it's going to be a pretty big deal, um, or at least one of those oh my god moments. Yeah. And and this definitely wasn't it. So this kind of breaks that apart a little bit. But I think it is kind of cool to see what I think any child would probably use the force for, and that's for a very convenient mm -hmm. kind of use. So I don't, yeah. you know, I feel like I, I would be bothered if this is the kind of thing that you see the Force used for in this series every single time. Yeah. Uh, but okay, because it's just kind of the first instance, it's not really a big deal for me. Yeah, I do see what you mean. And it is also nice to see that, like, it's not an accident when he uses it all the time. Now it can be kind of purposeful and directed at something. Um, right. Unlike the mud horn scene in season one, where he saves Mando, but it was a total accident and then it knocks him out. You know, like this is right. a very small object. It's very targeted and it's very self-serving. Um, so that's it interesting. Also, yeah, it, it also shows he clearly knows what he's doing in terms of when he's using the force or not, right? Because previously, I thought, and kind of going back to the the prison break episode from last season. 
when he was it looked like he he almost got confused whether he blew up the the droid that was atta- about to attack him or what oh, yeah, yeah. i i was led to believe like oh maybe he waves his hands around doesn't actually know when he's going to use it or not um but no he clearly does know what he's doing yeah okay there is a development there i i i do see what you're saying maybe it's if, not as simple as my first take if next week he pulls like a plate of chicken nuggies over <laughs> to him or he's like using it to i don't know fish or something then i will 100 percent back up the statement you're saying right now yeah yeah they they need to be smart about it now okay i'm with you let's move it along um they they basically give mando another mission he takes it um so they're at this empire base and like they're they're trying to destroy it to free navarro uh there's a lot in this whole sequence of events this is only like this this is only halfway through the episode so there's still like 20-ish minutes left on it um and you get a lot of cool like star wars lore in these the trexler marauder which um mithril or whatever his name is points out um it's basically like an evolution of the troop transport that was seen in season one which was i think it was originally designed for the original trilogy but never actually aired and then like merch came out for it in small quantities so that's why like they wanted to infuse it into their show um yeah i think it was actually just a like just a toy toy. that they made yeah yeah. yeah. So this is one of those really weird. You could, I guess, you could kind of tell too, right? Because like the pockets where the troopers are supposed to be, they have no shielding or covering. Yeah, <laughs> so got, it's like they very got inefficient. With like a gunner instead, um, and like flat side panels for. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. It's like now the the troopers are carried on the inside safer than being carried like with pretty much half their body exposed. <laughs> Um, a couple other things we, we see like the speeders. I like seeing those. Those were always my favorite growing up. So I'm glad they brought those back with like the original sound effects, um, used later on. The, the, the thing that caught my eye was turning off the cooling devices. It kind of mirrors Obi-Wan turning off the tractor beam in a new hope. Um, it's like that no guardrail over, a over a vast pit. And even like the, the action of like, moving the lever down and like bringing the you can like see the bar uh electronically on the on the screen like lower um a lot of like it just it's just gave me that same same vibe the no guardrail continues to be a huge problem for the empire (laughs) before it was just like an endless drop but now there's clearly lava at the bottom of it and you're still not taking any precautions to detect (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like that line I like that line a lot because it was it was like a good sarcastic um, joke in the Family Guy specials, which maybe Favreau and Filoni saw and and understood and knew that you know if this is a remnant of the Empire, they're not gonna like improve and put on guardrails. They're gonna follow the same thing. So like you got to stay true to it and not do something that would be kind of out of nature or out of character for them. Right. I just want to know, though, how many stormtroopers they have to depend on here, because, like, I don't know if it, if this is really the remnants of the Empire. Um, maybe you'd want to protect as many of them as you can before you nah. lose the bulk of your army. Nah, they have so many of them. But did you notice that maybe this is just me, but the, the voices of the stormtroopers 
sounded a lot like the original trilogy. Was that just like the sound effect, like the mask or like the, I guess, post editing of their voices? Or did they get like the original actors or something like that in there? No, it's definitely post work. But yeah, you're right. It's So the way that they mix the sound for the voices is the same style that they did for for the troopers back in the original trilogy because from a sound mixing perspective they used to do it a little bit differently back then than they do now because there's, there's obviously better equipment right but you can get it to sound like if you had to use the machines from back then and that's the same effect that they used here so it was nice to to, to hear that but yeah I, I that's one thing that immediately caught my attention too right because when they were just like walking past and talking about something casual i was like wait that is exactly like a new hope so i love seeing that stuff like that you notice they do the same thing with the x-wing uh fighters from a couple episodes ago when they're talking to each other they also sound like um like like red leader and the and the rest yeah, of yeah, the yeah. x-wings when they're doing the trench run it's the same kind of like voice effect that they're using there yeah i i love that stuff i love that attention to detail um, but I think the major part portion of the mission is the laboratory scene. Um, there's so much going on here. There's these bodies in the back to tanks. You can't really make it out. I mean, you and I talked for about it for a little while. A couple of theories thrown around here and there. I mean, some of the wild ones being like, are these like Vader replicas? Because um, you kind of see like a scarring on the on the skull. You see like it's mostly just a torso and like shoulders and like quads, which would be the same limbs that Vader had. But why are there so many of them? Like, is this Snoke? What, like, what are we looking at here? Yeah, I think I want to say it's Snoke only because I feel like it makes sense to kind of tie it into the sequel trilogy now that we know the events that kind of go on it. But who knows? I mean, I, I think you're, you're right on that. They may look a little bit more Vader-esque than they do Snoke. Maybe, you know, Rise of Skywalker was a little confusing, too. Like, was that a cloned body of Palpatine that they have, or did they salvage it somehow? I kind of, I was led to believe that they, throughout all these years, they were trying to clone a body for Palpatine, and it just never worked. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what we're seeing here. I I would lean more towards that, and here's why. I, it's not Vader, because he was cremated by Luke after, so they don't have a body to recreate. Um and they did I don't have a think whole castle, though. Have a what? He has that whole castle in Mustafar with his old man attendant servant guy. So I'm sure they had some sort of like TNA off of him. I guess, but it'd be a weird stretch because then we have to introduce Mustafar into this <laughs> series. Um, <laughs> and I also don't think it's Snoke because wasn't that all done on um, Exegol? Um. Yeah, but sh- when did they move the Snoke already there? be in? Shouldn't Snoke already be in power, sort of? Because we're we're, we're what, like four or five years off of Force Awakens. No, he should already have we're, like a name for himself. No, we're, we're so we're six years out from Return of the Jedi, right? And so there was oh, what like a flip. thirty year gap. So there's still, oh, okay. yeah, he. I don't know. Snoke, Snoke is a weird story. We definitely need more background on that too. <laughs> Um, I I was led to believe he was a big deal for a little bit, right? Because then how else would he influence um, Ben Solo or Kylo Ren at some point? Right, right. He has to be in power relatively soon. Um, he was created though, so I guess the question is like, when are they going to? When and where? 
Um, yeah. And this, it might not even be them. It because this, it seems like is the. I don't know where we netted out, but I think this is like the beta, the first draft of cloning using midi chlorians, um, which kind of leads me to believe these are just like it doesn't matter who they are; they're just failed experiments. But what it is, it's more about signaling what this new empire is up to and they're clearly trying to create a being that's force sensitive as opposed to you know searching for them in the galaxy or just creating beings that being somewhat force sensitive are going to be able to fight jedi better than a normal stormtrooper yeah and that's where the expanded lore kind of comes into play because mm-hmm. I think it's it's always been like this big deal in the comics and the books that there's no way for you to clone a force sensitive person perfectly. Right. And so it's like every story that kind of felt like that there used to be like, I think it was called Shadow of the Empire. A couple other like alternate sequels to the original trilogy had the Emperor being cloned. And it was always this imperfect clone and it becomes this whole other thing. So I don't know. I mean, like then you also have the whole dark trooper concept thing from yeah. the from from expanded lore. Then there's just so many avenues they can kind of pull from here. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it kind of comes down to like what's Moff Gideon's deal and how high up in the chain of command is he? Or is he the top chain of command? Now were dark troopers just like special commandos, or were they also like force sensitive? I don't remember. So I think they come from the Jedi Jedi Knight Jedi Academy games. I, I might be mistaken here, but I think they're supposed to be like slightly infused with dark side, the dark side of the force. So they're able to like wield the lightsaber, but not super competently. So they're force users. Also, limited. you know, I was also I just recently started uh, Rebels. So I'm going to take this to what I'm like my recency effect. Could these be Inquisitors? I don't know. <laughs> like... But yeah, the Inquisitors were early, too. right? They were earlier with Vader. Yeah, I, you're led to believe that they're no longer a threat around mm-hmm. the New Hope, only because of, for timeline's sake, like it, they probably would have been addressed. Yeah. So for those that aren't Rebel fans, um, Inquisitors are basically... They're Force-sensitive, and they're just not Sith, but they are bad. So they're like Jedis, but bad, right? trained to hunt down jedis yeah i think the the deal with them is like the majority i don't think all of them are but the majority of them are jedi that survived the purge and were basically converted to the dark side okay spoilers Um, which probably probably isn't this because this seems like they're taking a subject that has that's just normal and they're trying to infuse it with blood that has m counts which are midichlorian counts which are the indication of being force sensitive so it seems like they're just trying to take like normal people and enhance them is the way i see it kind of like a winter soldier in marvel yeah i I think that's his general aim is probably creating some sort of like super soldier um but does this confirm that moff gideon isn't a force sensitive person no i don't think so um i mean he certainly could be but for me, it just feels like he's just like a normal guy who just rose to the top of the ranks. With like a sick Vader cosplay. Yeah, he's cosplaying hard. <laughs> he he was like Vader's number one fan. 
And then when Vader died, he like raided his closet for like cloaks and stuff. It certainly seems like it. Those the helmets <laughs> of whatever's in those capsules look very Vader-esque. He, he's he's made his whole wardrobe, his whole look after the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we get to Moff, let's talk about the Razor Crest with the ties because finally I get what I've been <laughs> asking for. Give the ship some offensive capabilities. I mean, he's in so much trouble every week. He all he can't just constantly like fly for cover and then crash his ship and be cool. So I'm glad that like even though this uh whatever he is like engineer was betraying him he also was like you know be sick let's put some let's put some guns on the front of this thing he really pimped out his ride though like if you really think about it like that that's also he came into that with like scraps of metal basically covering the holes that were there from the last crash he had and then all of a sudden now he's got very shiny new plates of a fresh paint job all within the span of how many hours (laughs) Well, they were Grief Cargo's best men. You know, he did say, I'll put my best on it. One of them's a traitor, but he will give you cool guns on the front. So, yeah. Something to bring I, up for HR, though. <laughs> I do Maybe do a backup like, check. I, I would put this, like, in my top five of Starship battle uh, fight scenes. I mean, this was, like, it wasn't that long, but it was intense. And it was like, I was sitting on the edge of my seat watching this being like, what's the move? He's outnumbered here. And he's like taking on the full, uh, the full attention of all of them. And these aren't like the old tie fighters that like, didn't know what they were doing. These look like legit, um, pilots. Are these, so yeah. Are these new ties or is it the same ones that we see in the original trilogy, which is kind of, cause these are the same ones that fold, their we wings have to do landing, so they're obviously new, right? I, I would assume. <laughs> but then we go Every away time... from that landing style when we get into the sequel trilogy. Like, why did we go back to fixed wing position? I don't know. That Probably. it is, but every time I get a view, whether it be the sequel trilogy or or even this show of the cockpit of a Tie Fighter, I always remember how inefficient it is because you have oh, literally zero visibility <laughs> on your side. Yeah, and you can't no, fly no low because it'll confuse your radar. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I put this up there. I mean, th- there's been a lot of good scenes of, of ship-to-ship battle, but I, I like this. Like the e-brake turn and then basically like a jousting match. And then you get the cute little payoff of, of the child throwing up because he's eating too many sweets. <laughs> That whole sequence was really good, though, and I I, I agree. I, I feel like so this whole dogfight seemed like it belonged in the movie. Yeah, it, that that's exactly why it feels good because it is just a TV show at the end of the day. I mean, it obviously has a Disney budget backing it up, but it doesn't have like a movie budget where everything depends on how good that dogfight scene is. Yeah, this thing has like a, a movie budget stretched out between like eight episodes. So right, generally exactly. speaking, it's like a. I don't even know. I I, I don't know this the, the math behind all this stuff. I probably should, but um, yeah, it's bigger than normal budget, but it definitely um is being put to good use here. What were your thoughts on the interaction with the X-wing pilot, um, with both Grief and Kara? So I think that. Grief clearly doesn't want anything to do with the with the New Republic. That's why he was yeah. he seemed to be rather dismissive of the guy and everything having to do with him. Yeah. Um and he gave he gives like a side 
diss or commentary over to the mithril right after um the x-wing pilot kind of presses him on basically kind of get, trying to get him to collaborate and give up a little bit more info on the razor crest yeah um the interaction he had with kara though i thought was particularly well, hold on why is that though is that just because like he doesn't want any outside presence on his planet or is it just like obviously isn't an empire sympathizer so he wouldn't be against them for that reason but like it, it must just be like he doesn't want any influence right well he mentioned getting the empire out of navarro would basically make it a haven for for trade right right so I'm assuming that I mean, I mean we're talking about the guy that ran the bounty hunters guild, so I'm sure he's doing some shady stuff still. Right. Wait, yeah. like you you don't keep that level of power without doing something shady. Um. So sure. I think it has to, primarily to do with that, and maybe also just kind of protecting Mando a bit and being like, oh well, I didn't see or hear anything from him. Um. Especially yeah. since I think he called it out earlier in the episode, right? Like Mando told them both that he had a run in with the New Republic. Yeah, but his comments on that were like. If the Empire couldn't hold the whole galaxy together, what makes them think they could? Um, so I think he's just like, let's forget all these like good, evil organizations and just run our own planets. Because like Navarro could be an example of that. Like we don't need the Empire or the Republic. We can just get along. Yeah, yeah. Gr- grief is a small government kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Defund. Yeah, he's he's the Ron Swanson of this of the Star Wars universe. Oh man, he does have a mustache. Right? He kind of gives me that vibe. <laughs> he kind of is. Sorry, go ahead on on the interaction with Kara. Oh, so yeah, the the interaction with Kara felt a little out of, out of place, and it seemed like he was trying to sympathize with her for a bit to just kind of get them both on the same side. <laughs> right? He found yeah. common ground. He's like, "Oh, you were a rebel. I served in Alderaan. Did you lose anybody?" <laughs> Well, yeah, no, duh. So uh, I mean, <laughs> I was like, y- y- if she's from Alderaan, she's alive. Yeah, she lost pretty much everybody. Yeah, um, it like, just, it did seem a little weird. I don't know what the buildup for this is, though. Like, it, it just seems like this is a little breadcrumb to something. It does. Um, yeah, but who knows what the payoff is going to be or if we're even going to get it this year. I think we are. Um, and this kind of goes into my, like, big predictions later on. But I feel like the X-Wings are being featured... Not every episode, right? It's only been two of the four. But they're being featured more frequently, especially these pilots. And I think, I mean, we were talking about it before. We don't know what he put on the table. It could be a medal. It could be a sheriff's badge. It could be anything um, with the Republic logo on it. But I feel like she could use that later on to, you know curry some favor to be like hey come help us out of this jam when moff gideon attacks with whatever those people are at the end are they super soldiers or what um i think she can then be like here's what i can bring to the table i can bring you know x-wings i can bring extra support um so i do think i don't think they would just randomly put them in and i also think that's why we don't see filoni is because he's like I don't want it to be seen as just me looking for screen time. I want it to be seen as like the X wings are and the story. Yeah, I think we might have like a the cavalry arrive, arrives kind of scene at the end of the show, right. sort of similar to like the end of season one, where it's like, oh, I need help. Let me go gather all my contacts that I just friend exactly this season. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a huge showdown between like Mando, the Mandalorians, Ahsoka, 
Um, I think Kara could bring in the X-Wings. And then I think, like, the Empire has a lot of firepower behind them. Um, I, I would love to see some of this. They're not going to have a lot of they keep not, not installing handrails and letting their people fall well, into that lava That base pits. is gone, so no one else is going to be lost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's, like, an ice planet somewhere over there where there's, like, a freezing lake or something, and they also don't have handrails there. Which did the, this is going backwards now, but did that base actually blow up? Like we saw it erupt from the surface when the TIE fighters lift off. But does that mean the whole thing went up? Because they focused on um, some of the stormtroopers staying behind to try and shut off the, or turn on the computer for the cooling system or whatever. When Mando kind of led them back there to jetpack back to the city. Did they accomplish anything or like we just don't know? Um, if they did, it was off screen. Maybe they just didn't have the budget to show the massive explosion <laughs> that should have that should have accompanied yeah. it. Um, one thing real quick, not to backtrack on it, but like the beginning of this um, episode when Kara goes in to clean up um, the some of the I guess the scum of the of the of the underworld there. Yeah. Um, that was the the Mandalorian's old hideout there with no armor in sight. I, was it? I wonder. I knew it was familiar. Still I was like, are we back on Tatooine? Like, what is this place? Yeah, no, it was definitely the 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 uh, Mandalorian co- coven or whatever they call it, co- covert. Um, yeah. But our, obviously the armor is long gone at this point. So well, she didn't survive. I don't know. It's like... just like, it, it, it's just a small detail that at the end of the episode, I was like, are we... Is she anywhere in the background? Like, did I miss her? Where is she? That's a great spot. I didn't even notice that. Um, but yeah, obviously the big cliffhanger on this episode is Moff Gideon. So first we get, we, we, we see a few things and learn a few things here. First, he's got um, legit Empire tech. He has a Star, Star Destroyer. He has a full crew. Second, they have a network of spies, um, obviously tracking Mando and his ship, along with the asset for the child. And then third, whatever this, whatever they're doing on Navarro is more widespread. It's either cloning or just sort of like infusing blood with soldiers. I mean, these, I, we can't tell if these are just suits of armor or maybe he's building droids. I don't know, but he's got a squad of potentially super soldiers. Yeah, they look like um, modified death troopers from Rogue yeah. One. Right, that's um, but they're definitely that's what the that. look is, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I wonder though, are they connected to this whole cloning thing? Or are we kind of being led to believe that that's the case? Is this a separate project? Well, it has to be tied to it, right? Because the transmission of, um, what was the doctor's name? Doctor Pershing, um, right to Moff Gideon was three days ago, and he's like, "We will be ready." Um, so I mean, either. It's not ready yet, but it's that what they were doing on Navarro is connected to whatever he wants to do. You're right. It might not be connected to the suits of armor that we see in the final shot, but it is something bigger to, to look at. Yeah, I, there, there's so many routes they can kind of take with this, but they definitely they, they, they give me Dark Trooper vibes from Expanded Lore. They give me Death Trooper vibes. They kind of look like Vader. Um and yeah, I, I, I want to say that it it has something to do with the cloning that's going on. At the same time, I don't know because they kind of you're right. They kind of look like droids, so I don't really know what the deal is with these. 
Yeah. So I think this can lead us into uh, predictions. Um, you and I were kind of talking about before looking ahead. Dave Filoni is directing the next episode. Does that mean we get Ahsoka? Um, he's obviously tied to Attack of the Clone series. She's obviously the star of that. Um, it would be a good way to fit her in if it's his episode. I think it's only fitting that he gets to direct her live action debut, just given that he's the one that created the character. Is it too um, early so in the season, though? Um, this will be the mm, third to last, right? I, I, yeah, we, we're up to no, wait, no, we're up to episode five next week, right? So we would after that we would still have three more episodes left. Are there nine? No, there's there's only eight. Yeah, so five. Oh, okay, right, right. right. So um, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. Is I, that too I, early then? I would I would imagine it would have to be six at the earliest. Here's, yeah, I, I I think so too, but here's what I think. I think that we're going to see a glimpse of Ahsoka next week. So I but think the, we like, might... ending scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think we'll, we'll get to Corvus. We'll get to see him kind of go through some sort of like small journey just to get to her. Another at the mission. end of the episode, yeah, at the end of the episode, we'll see her, but or maybe we'll we'll see a glimpse of her prior to that, but I don't think we'll get on we'll get a a full um appearance from ahsoka next week. I think it'll just be a small glimpse of it, Can't and then episode six is probably gonna be it well, what's her role gonna be like the child like there's moments of understanding in this episode, you know, stealing the cookies, directing the force for that. But then there's also moments of like just being too young and not knowing anything, like can't understand the difference of the red wire and blue wire and don't let them touch. Like she can't really train him or teach him yet. Like what's her role going to be this season? Um, I think she's just going to be more of a mentor for Mando than she is going to be for the child. I feel like she's just going to be a, like a gateway to the history or I yeah, I don't know if she's gonna be like the, you know, butt kicking Jedi that, or not even a Jedi actually, but you know, like this awesome warrior that we're all kind of hoping for. I, I'm a little hesitant to think that she will be. I think she will be, but like, it it, it this goes off of like her rebels appearances. I think she's still she is gonna. I think we're gonna have a fight scene between her and Moff Gideon. I'm putting that on the table, and I think that that's what we're gonna see at at some point. Um, maybe this season. I don't know, but I I don't think she's gonna be the the end all be all for this story. Like I don't think she's gonna take the child and say, oh well, I'm gonna start a new Jedi order with this one. Um, she did denounce the I way of the Jedi. I could see that actually. I could see her being like, I'll get them into the right hands and like taking them off of mando's hands and then like i could honestly see this play out i don't want to go like way too far but like in guessing but i could see him then getting the dark saber and becoming like the mandalorian leader because he is like morally you know i guess aware and like good i could see him being the leader i i don't see bo katan being the leader because she was militant in the clone wars and now she is like after you know she's pulling these like she's designing for herself and also like i don't know seems a little too 
like shades of evil in the dialogue that we got to see her in. Yeah, I don't know. I um I feel like if they're gonna do that though, isn't it a little too early to get rid of the child from this show? Like, does this show work without the child? It does, right? Like I'm not I think it does. <laughs> I don't know. Um I know the audience would be really sad to see it, so that would be the only reason that they would be hesitant because it's like a huge seller for merch and for, you know, generating memes and gifs off the show. But I, you can't sacrifice it for the story. Like if Ahsoka doesn't want to train him or even if she takes him, I mean, how long is Mando going to look for other Jedi's? Like, five well, seasons? Are we going to put up with it for that long? Like, you know? I don't... The thing is, like, I don't see him giving up the kid to Ahsoka. And I don't see Ahsoka wanting to train the kid. Because she, she walked away from the Order. Right? Like, she in, was the one that said, I'm not a Jedi anymore. But in Rebels, isn't she, like, working with the Republic? Yeah, but I don't think that qualifies her as a Jedi. No, but she's, like, definitely a joiner, to quote... Um, Kara Dune, like she knows good from bad, she chooses good. So if she sees like this force sensitive child that the Empire's hunting after, she would definitely be like, Yeah, I'm not going to train him, but I could take you to the like another Jedi in hiding. Yeah, I, I th so I, th I think that her role is primarily going to be a guide of sorts, but I don't think she's and 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 maybe I'm speaking too like boldly here, but I feel like especially given the end of Rebels and where she is in that show versus the fact that we now know she's alive here. Um, I think her path is completely different from where from where Mando needs to go. I, I feel like the ultimate goal with the child was to reunite him with his actual species of people. I don't. I disagree with that. I think it was like Mando's going to take his the creed very seriously and the mission very seriously that like his people are Jedi. It's not whatever his <laughs> people are called. Uh, yeah, but then, but then the end, <laughs> but then the end game is Luke, and then like what Luke we know doesn't successfully recreate the Jedi Order. But that would be an awesome way to tie it into Force Awakens, or not even quite Force Awakens, but like the prequel to Force Awakens of getting him to this underground school. Maybe yeah. The other thing too, though, is like okay, so we we know from like the Skywalker trilogy that Luke is supposed to be the last Jedi around this point. Well, now that we know Ahsoka's alive, sure he might be the last Jedi officially, right? But how many Force users are out there that are maybe Force Jedi and just kind of renounced away? And technically, you know, from a technical from a certain point of view, <laughs> there are no <laughs> other Jedi than Luke. Like you get what I'm That's... saying? Like maybe maybe it's not so much reunite the child with the official Jedi, which would be Luke, but just reunite him with other Force users. That's a bigger topic for later, I think, because we're already cutting into the uh, <laughs> our end here. But I, um, no, that is a great distinction because they say Last Jedi as the title of the sequel movies, and I don't think that Rey was the Last Jedi <laughs> or Luke was <laughs> um, because there were so many people out in hiding. Um but yeah, I think we can leave that for another day. The Skywalkers are just very self-centered. So they're like, yeah, there could it's, be other Jedi. They're the star. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's me or nobody.
um what do you what, but yeah Anything i don't know I, I, you know um no I, I i just think i'm i'm excited to see the debut of ahsoka um what in whatever capacity that may be um but one thing just to kind of wrap up my thoughts on the prediction side of things but yeah um i'm kind of starting to think that we're not going to get a boba payoff until the very end of the season i I think that was yeah. one of those things yeah. where I thought it was going to be a bigger deal, but it's not. Yeah, I think you're right. I and I'm coming around to being okay with it um, because the the core of the storyline is picked up so much. I'm okay if they like keep him as a ongoing teaser for next season and like keep giving us minor little oh don't forget about him or whatever. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't need to get his history now that I'm focused on the history of Moth and Ahsoka. Well, you're going to get his history whether you like it or not because Disney loves money. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like, I... I, I'm I'm okay with it either way, I think, is what I'm saying. But I, I agree. I don't think we're getting a huge Boba payoff this season. I think that I could see that being how the season ends where he's like, where do I go now if he hands off the child? And like he goes back to Tatooine and finds Boba. Are you do you do you think that we might be seeing like several launch points here for other characters within this show? Like, is the Boba tease? They, yeah, well, I don't know how they. Is that everyone gets their own show, or is it like the Mandalorian umbrella and everyone gets an episode? <laughs> no, well, well, so Josh Trank, the director of that really awful reboot of Fantastic Four, uh, um, was supposed to direct a Boba Fett movie. Um, that was supposed to be oh, right, the first right. solo movie. Um, it got nah, replaced solo. by the yeah. solo movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the movie was canceled. Uh, I, I I'm not going to get into why. Apparently, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. But uh, basically, we know they have the intention of having Boba in his own kind of franchise per se, and they know he's a big selling point and a big character for merch. So. I have to think that at some point they're either trying to test the waters here with the interest for Boba and see if they can maybe give him his own show or maybe his own movie. I don't know, but it kind of seems like that's kind of what they're trying to do with some of these um, uh, characters kind of popping up here. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely another topic for another day, but I could see them testing out to see which characters test well with audiences. Yeah, I, I just don't see them introducing Seeing someone like Ahsoka being played by any sort of actress that comes up with a really good feedback here and just keep her on the show as a character here and there. Yeah. You get what I mean? That's I not, that's feel not like the they're Disney trying way. To... The, that's not the no. way. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think we'll, we can we can cut it there. I mean, if we obviously skipped around a lot, so there's we couldn't cover everything here. Um, appreciate everyone for sticking with us for so long on this episode. Uh, there was so much to unpack. So if you think we missed anything, uh, definitely feel free to, you know, reach us on Twitter, BT Fourth Wall, um, or email us behind the fourth wall podcast at gmail.com, fourth as the number. Um, otherwise we'll get back to it next week. Awesome. Thanks for listening.